On November 3rd, 2022, the Human Rights Foundation's community came together for the Oslo Freedom Forum in Taiwan. Guests from all corners of the globe gathered in Taipei for a masterclass in the struggle for freedom around the world, listening to the stories of brave activists and learning about today's most pressing human rights issues. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. This episode was recorded during the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum in Taiwan, a global gathering of activists and dissidents united in standing up to tyranny. Since 2009, individuals have come from across the world to educate, share, and inspire at the Oslo Freedom Forum. You can watch this programming and more on the Oslo Freedom Forum YouTube or Facebook pages. War Kai Shi was a key organizer of the 1989 Tiananmen student movement. Following the massacre, the Chinese government listed him second on its list of most wanted student leaders. Although he has since fled China, he remains a thorn in tyranny's side by calling on the world to prioritize human rights. Now based in Taiwan, War Kai-shi continues his relentless activism to advance freedom and democracy. Sorry. Sorry. As introduced, uh, my name is War Kai-shi. I'm a Chinese dissident living in exile here in Taiwan. <laughs> and today I'm here to talk to you about change. And then I think I'm somewhat qualified for that topic since I was a student leader champion for democracy and freedom back in Tiananmen in 1989 and since then. Last week in a heated debate uh, on the BBC's uh, leading political talk show, it's called uh, Global Questioning, uh, one of my peers, I was on the panel, and one of the uh, uh, panelists uh, suggested that cross-street relation is complex. And then I rebuked him, and I said, well, it's no longer the case. The Chinese regime, the an auto autocrat uh, autocratic Chinese regime, have made cross-street much more simpler. It presented two choices for Taiwanese people. You either stand against it, or surrender. It's no longer that complex. It's the same case in a much bigger global picture. The world today is also become simpler because the autocratic have joined and presented us this challenge and very limited choices. After World War II, uh, the world that was um, exhausted, devastated with millions, tens of millions of human lost, have determined to come to a new world order that can prevent World War III. We have determined to preserve peace. In, in that notion, we formed this United Nations Global Order that orders respect, demands uh, uh, other countries' borderline must be, must be respected, must be defended. We want democracy replaced totalitarianism. We want trade uh, to, uh, to help 
accelerate democratizations. But we also focused and extremely emphasized in the borderline idea. But building on the ashes of the ruins and then also different ideologies, that world order, the United Nations bilateralism world order, have given each country too much power. The power is you cannot invade any other country, but you can do whatever within your own border. So that's based on different ideologies. In unable to foresee one ideology can grow into such a strong state, the world entered a cold war right after a hot one. The, the world order may be preserved, uh, may, may be prevented World War III, but it didn't prevent Chinese regime grow into what it is today. Well, it, it didn't uh, prevent uh, the Chinese regime launched an invasion to its own capital in 1989 against peaceful protesters. It didn't prevent Chinese regime con uh, conduct cultural uh, genocides that have led to more than 150 self-immolation by Tibetan people. It didn't prevent Chinese regime having the mass arrest for dissidents. It didn't prevent Chinese government successfully killing my mentor, my good friend Liu Xiaobo, who uh, became the second person uh, to, be, uh, to be killed in the in the in prison, second Nobel Peace Laureate to be killed in, in, in prison. The voice that uh, we started in Tiananmen, the, the uh, oops, the, uh, didn't manage, we could not spread the voice. Well, that was me in Tiananmen. And uh, we see the strong voices of calling for freedom and democracy back in 1989, but it was shut up by the Chinese regime in many different ways, left us with this image, this person, this spirit, but not the actual realization of that dream. And in Europe this year, the same world uh, order, the same frame of world order did not prevent a country invading another, Russia invading Ukraine. We sat back and watched that happen in the name of preventing World War III. That must be a clear indication of a failure of such world order. The same mistake was made. Uh, during World War II, uh, the appeasement policy was also introduced under the slogan of preserve peace at all cost. And then later on, Winston Churchill, uh, the following minister from the appeasement policy, Prime Minister Chamberlain said, between, if you are given choice between war and dishonor, and if you choose dishonor, you will eventually face the war again. That should be the lesson that we learned, but nevertheless, we, the world decided to appease. We made the mistake again in the last many 
decades. Then we see what happened in the, in the street of Hong Kong. And then I think this is the beginning of the world waking up when we see the Chinese uh, regime <coughs> taking Hong Kong, a city from, that belongs to the free world, falling. And then I don't think it was the time when the world waking up. It wasn't, sadly, it wasn't right after Tiananmen. It would be much nicer, but it took so much longer. The brave men and women of Hong Kong, and then the great sacrifices of my people, Uyghur people, uh, in Xinjiang. And uh, we all know what's going on in Xinjiang now. Uh, that can tell us the, the world order that, that we're supposed to uh, uphold freedom and human rights. It didn't work. Uh, so the world is coming around, but not after Tiananmen, not after uh, 150 self-immolation uh, of Tibetans. I think in the last uh, five years, the great men and women of Hong Kong and the sacrifice of Uyghur people, and eventually, in the last two, three years, the pandemic that hit our friends and family, that hit our cities and street, and finally made the world come around and ask ourselves one simple question. What did we do? <clears throat> we nurtured a totalitarian regime to the size the world has never seen. In the name, well, appeasement is not the name this time we use. The name is economic engagement. And then, based on three illusions. The first illusion is that by engaging economically with China, we will give birth to largest population capitalism. And then the capitalism will give birth to a large middle class. And that middle class will give birth to civil society. And then that civil society will give birth to democracy. That's the illusion, the first illusion. At best, I call it naive. At the same time, we were, we were telling, if you have this economic engagement with China, you are enabling, you are nurturing a totalitarian regime. There will be consequences. And then the world took the second illusion. That the second illusion is, yes, there will be economic, there will be consequences to have business deal with Beijing, but it will be the Chinese people within the Chinese border who suffers, who pay the prices. It will be, in the longer run, better for us, better for the rest of the world. This illusion, at best, I call it selfish. And then the third illusion is that if we keep engaging with China, we can make them irresponsible stakeholders. If we can keep dealing with, I'm pretty sure Prime Minister Chamberlain thought if he keep dealing with Hitler, he can strike a deal to preserve peace for the United Kingdom in the 1930s. And the same mistake is the people say, if we keep dealing with Chinese regime, we can make them a responsible member of this international community. This is the third illusion. I cannot find any other word but to describe it as downright stupid. So under the three, the, the three illusions, the world, we, we have nurtured war to this, uh, uh, to this state. 
In the year 2009, on uh, the 20th uh, anniversary of Tiananmen massacre, I have made a decision to challenge the authority that have killed my peers and then preventing me seeing my parents, my family. So I boarded an airplane, fly, uh, flew to Macau. Macau at that time is the only Chinese territory my, me holding my Taiwanese passport can land to. And, uh, and then I demanded dialogue. And then I told Chinese regime in my announcement before I board my airplane that I want the dialogue we started, we demanded in 1989 on the street to be continued, even in the form of persecution and plea. And I want to see my ailing parents, that even that meeting in the, taking the form of prison visits, and then behind a glass window. When I board the airplane, I was asking myself, am I ready to give up freedom for a long, long period of time? I was very ready. I feel very free. And uh, I thought in that moment, okay, this is how many people who made our world better today also experienced. This is the moment they have experienced. They are ready to sacrifice for their determination. And when you are ready, you become fearless. So my message to you today, we should draw lessons from history. Let me tell you, tyrannies, they are afraid of one thing. They are afraid of our being not afraid. Dictators hope for one thing, that they hope we lost hope. So the lesson, if we are ready in today's 21st century to think about the challenges we are facing, two lessons. We cannot have illusions. Second, we must be brave. Thank you all. Thank you very much.